So I feel like I regularly get reminders of just how like weak and fragile uh, life can be. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night with a really intense pain in my shoulder. And I had slept on it wrong and popped my shoulder out of socket. So did you know you can do this? I, I had to look it up. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that was a thing. Uh, I woke up, the pain wasn't going away. I had to wake Ashley, my wife, up and say, hey, can you like kind of crank my arm around until it stops, until it like pops into place? And then eventually it stopped hurting. Like eventually it kind of popped back into place. And I realized like for all the time that I invest into trying to be healthy and work out and take care of my body, I'm weak and fragile and frail. And Lent is a season where we all acknowledge that no matter how good we are, how hard we try, what we've been doing, we are all fragile. We're we're all frail. We all have weaknesses that we experience and bump up against on a regular basis, even those of us who are good at hiding those weaknesses. And in this uh, next season, our hope is to come and to say, God, what do, you, what do you have for us even in the midst of our weakness? What do you have for, for us in the midst of our need? How do you feed us even when uh, we find ourselves incapable of taking the next step of feeding ourselves, so to speak, of uh, relying, when, when relying on ourselves runs out, what do we do next? And what I want you to see this morning is that you don't have to prove yourself out of the wilderness. You have to prove your way out of the wilderness, that when you find yourself in these moments of wilderness in your life, and we're going to explore what that means, but when you find yourself in these moments of wilderness, what if it's, what if it's less of an encouragement to just try harder, and what if it's more of a chance for us to trust in God? That rather than try to fix ourselves or do better or whatever it is, that, that we trust in the one who comes into our weakness, in spite of our weaknesses, comes to us and loves us all the way through death and resurrection on a cross. That what if we were to trust more in him through this season? So grab your Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter 4. In your pew Bibles, it's page 1376. We'd love for you to have a Bible on you because we're going to track through this text and, and really believe that the words of Scripture will stick with us, will change us far greater than any clever thing I or any pastor could say. And so we want to take Scripture seriously in that way. And so Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, this is a story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And there are actually three temptations, but today we're just going to look at the first one. Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we'll stop right there. So this happens right after Jesus has been baptized. He's been baptized by John the Baptist, and then um, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And this is intentional. That's why it says the Spirit is the one that does this, that Jesus intentionally goes into the wilderness. This is not a sign that God has abandoned him. It's a sign that God is doing something in Jesus that will matter for the rest of his ministry as he goes into the wilderness. 
what I want you to notice about the wilderness is it is a place that maybe we spend time. Maybe we go into wildernesses ourselves. Maybe uh, we find ourselves hiking or on a trip or, or we find ourselves exploring. So maybe we think that we, uh, have, we know the wilderness. It's, it's a familiar place to us. But in the Jewish imagination, the wilderness was, was the place of chaos, It was a place of the unknown, of the untamed wild. It's a place where you could not survive on your own. So think about the wilderness as a place where like all the things that you know to do to get by and survive, they don't work in the wilderness. They run out. That all the tricks that we've learned to master life, they stop working in the wilderness. Uh, in fact, this past uh, September, I found myself with a bunch of friends in, uh, in Idaho in, uh, on the middle fork of the Salmon River. And I shared this story when we got back uh, this past fall, but, but we found ourselves in the Frank Church wilderness. And I didn't know this but, uh, when we first went, but this is the most, one of the most remote places in the lower 48, so far from any roads or electricity or support or anything. And, uh, and thankfully, for four days, we were out there and we had, we had guides who cooked and prepared meals for us, who navigated the river and took care of our every need, who set up camp for us at night, who caught rattlesnakes when they were uh, unexpectedly in the places we didn't want them to be. Like, they, they took care of us. And what I realized is if I had to make it in that wilderness by myself for four days, I wouldn't be here today. I have no survival. I, I, my, all the tricks I know to master life, like to run to Costco or to Trader Joe's, like none of that works in the wilderness, right? Like I'm not stopping by Papa John's in the wilderness. And uh, so the tricks that we learn to master life, they don't work in the wilderness. The wilderness is a tough place where all the things we normally rely upon, they no longer work. So Jesus goes into the wilderness and it says he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and that he was hungry, as you might, as you might imagine. And uh, there's a significance to that number. So the Old Testament people of Israel, who Jesus is a Jewish person, an Israelite, uh, they had gone into the wilderness, leaving Egypt, leaving slavery, going to the promised land. They spent 40 years wandering, wandering in the desert. They spent 40 years, and one of their greatest temptations was to trust that in this wilderness that God would provide food for them, and he did. He brought them manna and quail to eat. He brought them manna every single day, and they had to trust in him, and their temptation was to not trust, but to instead, like, to hoard the manna and to not trust that God would continue to provide. They failed at this test. And so Jesus is going to relive this temptation on behalf of Israel. And here's what it says in Deuteronomy 8 in the Old Testament about that original temptation. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to do what? To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. So they were tested to know what was in their hearts. And this is why Jesus is led into the desert to be tested by the devil, that he's tested to turn stones into bread. Now, we might think like, well, what's the big deal? Like he's hungry, he has the power to do it. Take the stones, make them into bread. I don't know about you, I would have failed this test real quickly. 
I would have, I would have like, oh, oh I, I can, okay, let's do that. I'm hungry. Let's turn those stones right into bread. I, for this sermon, I tried to think of a time. When was the time I was hungry? So like, I could like, yeah, I was hungry too. I couldn't think of a time I was hungry. I couldn't think of a single story of like a time where I was truly hungry. And yet Jesus himself, for 40 days, doesn't eat anything, and the devil comes in, tempts him. Now, the, the word for uh, devil is the word diabolos, and it literally means the splitter. Like he's trying to split Jesus from God, to break from God and to mistrust in God. And it's the same thing that the Old Testament Israelites experienced too, that when they were going through the desert, the test was, are you going to trust God or are you going to break with God and trust in yourself Instead, that was the temptation that they were faced with. Now, what we see in this story is that there are three options when we find ourselves in the wilderness. Three options. The first is you can try to prove yourself. I'm going to turn those stones into bread. We may not be able to turn stones into bread, but we find all kinds of ways of producing what it is that we want. Right? We try to prove ourselves out of the wilderness. When we find ourselves in these moments where we're stuck, where things aren't going as planned, we try to work harder, to do more, to learn more, to become more educated. We try to prove ourselves. But the other option that's possible is that we try to make God prove himself. God, if you really love me, why would I have to go through this? God, if you were real, this wouldn't have happened. God, prove yourself or I won't believe or follow or be obedient. God, prove yourself. In fact, that's what the devil says to Jesus. If God really loved you, if you were really God's son, if you were who God said you were, then he would obviously not want you to be hungry. Right? We try to make God prove himself when we find ourselves in wilderness moments. And the third option, though, and this is what Jesus does, is we can trust in God's promises. That when we find ourselves in wilderness moments, we can instead remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done for us, that we can trust in those promises. And when confronted with these options, Jesus actually quotes from that story in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna to teach you, this is what Jesus says, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because Jesus knows that who God is and what God has done is more powerful than whatever momentary discomfort. And I would call not eating for 40 days and 40 nights discomfort. Jesus knows that what God has done and who God is is more powerful than that discomfort that he finds himself in. One theologian says, before Jesus performs any miracle, so before Jesus has any public ministry, he learns here for the rest of his life to reject the selfish use of the miraculous. Listen to this last phrase. The father put Jesus into the wilderness. The father will get him out. Right? That's what Jesus is proclaiming when he says, I am fed not by bread, not by stones, but by the word of God. God put me here. God will get me out. See, Jesus believes that God has more for him than to get out of the discomfort of the moment. That God has more for him than what he could even produce for himself in that moment. And if it's true for the son of God, how much more true is it for you and for me? What feels like wilderness in your life right now? 
Like maybe you're going through a long season of something that you can go like, yeah, that's wilderness in my life. Or maybe there's just something that feels like wilderness. Like where are you thirsty or hungry? Where are you exhausted or disoriented? What feels like wilderness? Maybe it's with work or with career or calling. Maybe it's with relationships. Maybe it's uh, with a struggling marriage or uh, with your kids or with your parents or grandparents. Like maybe it's with a friendship that's soured or uh, maybe you just desire to fit in and you feel like you can't. Maybe there's just something that you desire so badly and you just keep coming up empty and you don't know why. Or maybe life in general just feels dissatisfying and nothing seems to matter. Like what is, what is wilderness in your story? Maybe a way of asking it is, where have the tricks that you've learned to master life stopped working? Because many of us have places in our lives that we just think, we, I, I know how to fix that until we don't, until it stops working, until it breaks, until we feel hopeless and helpless. Sometimes God lets us walk into situations that we would not choose for ourselves to allow us to learn to rely upon him. As one pop singer said, desperate people find faith, so now I pray to Jesus too. When we acknowledge our desperation, maybe we find there's something more for us. When we acknowledge the wilderness, maybe we know it's hard, but it doesn't have to get the final word. What if we knew that there was a feast waiting for us, but it might require us to walk through some wilderness first? And again, make no mistake, in your wilderness, you will be tempted to prove yourself or to make God prove himself. Because we are reinforced over and over every single day that you can fix this. We've been trained to believe, we've been educated to believe, we've been enculturated to believe that you can fix it, that you can do this, that you can make the bread, that you can turn the stones into food. And again, like turning stones into food may not seem like that big of a deal. But what happens is over time, we subtly learn that we can be trusted more than God can be trusted to provide. That the more that we rely upon ourselves and neglect our relationship with God, we're teaching ourselves that God is not really there for us, that the world is really on our shoulders. We find ourselves proving that we can fix it, that we can do it ourselves. And like, man, I feel like it's so hard because I, I feel competent. Like I've worked hard. I've educated myself to do things, to fix things. I've learned stuff. I, I like to fix things. I like to be competent. I like to be in control. I like to be able to, to get myself out of trouble, to navigate the wilderness myself. I like to rely on myself. And yet what we find is the wilderness is not meant to be an opportunity to prove ourselves, nor is it a chance to ask God to prove himself. But what if it's a chance to trust God? What if it's a chance to trust God more? What if it's a chance to grow in our trust in what he's done for us rather than to grow in trust in what we can do for ourselves? In reflecting on uh, this temptation of Jesus, theologian Julie Canlis said, fasting, so Jesus had fasted, fasting allows the body and the spirit to work together because it removes all the things that would get in the way. Fasting is not a personal endurance stunt, nor a way to twist God's arm. It's a way to let God in.
It's a way to let God in. That's what Jesus is doing is that in the wilderness, it's not a chance to get past it. Like it's a way to let God in. Like I think many of us are tempted to view the wilderness in our lives as a sign that God has run from us. But what if we view the wilderness as a sign that we need to run to God, that we need to turn to him, that wilderness isn't a bad thing in the end, but it's a chance for us to grow in our trust in God, even though it's not what we would choose for ourselves, even though it's uncomfortable, even though we might just need to admit that we don't have it all together, and that's so hard for us to admit. Jesus goes into the wilderness to identify with Israel, to take on their history, And in the same way, Jesus enters into all of our wilderness to take on our history and our brokenness and our sin. Jesus enters into your story and into mine. He identifies with Israel and he identifies with us. The writer of Hebrews in the New Testament says that, for we do not have a high priest who's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. He knows that you won't measure up and he identifies with you anyways. Him sinless and you broken and he steps into your place, dies on the cross and comes back from the dead to show that the wilderness is not the end of the story. Jesus proves God's love for us so that we don't have to prove ourselves. And God's love for you is not proved or disproved by anything other than his sacrificial love on the cross. Right? It's a story of wilderness, but it doesn't have to be a story of defeat. Like whatever wilderness you're going through, it does not need to be a story of defeat. Because God is bigger than that. And he has proved his love for you. And the calling is not to prove yourself, it's to trust it, to feed upon the promises of God, to know deep down that that will sustain you longer than your ability to prove yourself or to try to manipulate God into proving himself. So over this next season, we've, uh, you, you heard this encouragement earlier, but we have these little guides for you just to read scripture alongside because scripture tells us the story of what God has done for us and who he is. And we're encouraging you to read scripture to reflect upon God's love for you in this season. It's important to remind ourselves this story that if we want to be open to the good news, if we want to get it in our heads and in our hearts, we need to read it. We need to marinate on it. We need to let it settle in our souls. You are loved and you are surrounded on your good days and on your bad days. When you failed and when you're trying your hardest to succeed, you are loved and you are known and you are surrounded by God. God desires for us to be people who trust in his promises that they are enough to sustain us and to feed us whatever wilderness we're going through. Amen.